and welcome to the second episode of the fourth season of State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. I'm Jake Williams, State Scoop and Ed Scoop's associate publisher. In case you're not familiar with the podcast, we dive into the top 10 priorities from the National Association of State Chief Information Officers. Today, on episode two of season four, we're talking about cloud services. It ranks as the number two priority for state CIOs for 2019. We're talking today with Nebraska CIO Ed Toner and Hawaii CIO Doug Murdoch. We're also joined by Splunk's Adilson Jardim. He's the area vice president for sales engineering in the public sector division. Adilson has been with Splunk for more than four years and previously worked with Oracle. Ed Toner is in his fourth year as the state of Nebraska's chief information officer. He was appointed in June 2015 by Governor Pete Ricketts to utilize technology to improve delivery of government services. Since then, Ed has overseen a massive consolidation of how the state handles technology. Doug Murdoch is a relatively new CIO. He was appointed in January of this year as CIO of Hawaii and was previously the state's comptroller. Today on the episode, we're talking about when states should be thinking about cloud, how it can help them embrace emerging tech and the role of cybersecurity in that discussion. Today's episode is brought to you by Splunk, and here is that conversation. So we are here with Ed Toner, CIO of Nebraska, Doug Murdoch, CIO of Hawaii, and Adilson Jardim, an AVP at Splunk Public Sector. Thanks everyone for, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So today we're talking about cloud services. Let's start with Ed. Ed, how are you balancing public cloud versus private cloud versus on-prem? And, and how do you maximize the investment of those dollars? Well, we really, uh, we shy away from the public cloud. Uh, we do utilize uh, private cloud, and we utilize that in a couple of different ways. Uh, we use the uh, Azure Express route, which you know creates that private connection between the Azure data centers and our data center. We feel like that gives us uh, less latency. Of course, we avoid the commodity internet, um, and it's a more secure uh, connection. The other route that we go that is um, a, a very inexpensive uh, option for us, and that is that we've done a direct connect to one of our vendors that had excess capacity in their data center. Uh, the vendor happens to be a storage vendor of ours that actually uh, just assists us in installations, and they terminate in the carrier hotel in Omaha, Nebraska, and so our two racks are sitting right next to each other, so we have uh, an open connection to them. We just pay for that connection. Um, it's it's literally about the same price as a your home internet, 600 meg connection, and the latency is about two milliseconds. Uh, and so we use that. There's simply a node off of our network. Uh, so we get the cost down there. Uh, the only other uh, real cloud use is we always call ourselves the cloud. So, of course, we've got um, 76 of the 93 counties that actually utilize us for all of their uh, services, not only state-provided services like DMV, but their own services, payroll, things like that. All their servers rest in our data center, um, and we provide them support um, at each of the counties. And uh, so we actually are are a cloud ourselves, and so that's that's a, a significant savings for them. Um, and of course, we use uh, a little bit of SaaS programs where uh, we feel that 
you know, it's more cost effective. And Doug, let's go over to you, you know, so much going on in Hawaii right now. But same question though, what's the balance like of cloud in Hawaii, public versus private versus on-prem? How are you maximizing that investment? Well, I think as we, you know, as CIO, we really see our role as being a broker and educator of the various cloud options that are available. And we have a cloud smart policy, which is to try and help each uh, person, each agency figure out what's the right way to go to the cloud, because we want them to to go to the cloud whenever they can. But there's a big difference between something that's cloud native, like Office 365, and something that's a lift and shift or a move and improve. Um, When we're going, when we're building new things, we try and go cloud native as much as we can so that we get all the benefits of the cloud. Uh, But when we're moving things up to the cloud that are pre-existing applications, then we have a government private cloud that they can go to that's here in our data center. Or when it's appropriate, we'll go to the public cloud. And we are regularly doing uh, proof of concepts and testings of, you know, moving some applications to the cloud so that we can find the right home for each of the applications in a smart way. Adilson, you, you've got the perspective of kind of that whole public sector from your work at Splunk. How should states balance these considerations about cloud environments and really maximize those invested dollars? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, thank you to Ed and Doug for their perspectives and obviously their purview across their portfolio and responsibility. So as I look at our cross sections of, of different customers, I see on the state and the local side, uh, it's interesting, Ed's perspective there on on the various Nebraska agencies and even the county perspective there. Uh, And I tend to see a cross-section across all of our state customers, all struggling with very similar uh, challenges here. Uh, Very often we tend to see the the process-driven applications, uh, whether they're HCM or ERP ones that tend to be a good lift into a cloud deliverable if a vendor supports that. So we tend to see some of those bigger migrations that that do occur. Uh, and then you look at all the other aspects of this, and it's, it's not for lack of pointing out that the top two priorities in the state CIO, NASIO priorities for 2019 were risk management, security, risk management, and cloud services, right? And I think that speaks to how difficult these uh, the set of problems is. So we're seeing customers now trying to evaluate not just which platform and what type of cloud service to leverage, uh, but then also what do you do in terms of managing your portfolio across on-prem, hybrid, and into cloud. Uh, so I think starting with what's the visibility, what insight do you have into that portfolio? What insight do you have in, into constituent services is really important in identifying how best to leverage cloud technologies out there. And then I also see a very significant uptake in federal standards and capabilities, because I think on the federal government side, they've forged some really good templates that states uh, should consider leveraging effectively like FedRAM uh, and being able to effectively transition those into state templates for security and risk management as well. And we tend to see that quite a lot. Doug, I'm going to go back to you first with this question. You know, cybersecurity continues to be a reason that states are looking at cloud, but also a reason that some states are wary of it. What should states be thinking about when it comes to security in the cloud? Well, I think we have to look very carefully at each uh, cloud opportunity because many people think if they go to the cloud, all their problems are solved. Um, But of course, that's a bad assumption that you know, they're automatically safe and secure by going to the cloud. So 
we have to extend our perimeter out when we can to cover what's in, you know, if it's not a SaaS op option, well, even if it is a SaaS option, something like Office 365, there are different versions that have different levels of security. So we just have to be really smart about the security posture of, of the cloud that we're going into and then figure out what gaps we have to fill with our security perimeter to make sure that everything is safe in the cloud. Ed, over to you here again. What what should states be thinking about when it comes to cybersecurity in the cloud? And, and you talked about your different cloud offerings and the different clouds that, that you operate in out of Nebraska. Uh, how does cybersecurity play a role in, in all of those? I think you have to be um, careful, especially the type of data that a state uh, maintains. Um, and so our really our posture here is that we, of course, we stay away, from, as I said, the, from the public cloud. Um, and we even stay away from um, any anything, even in the private offering, when you're in a cloud community and your data is 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 being backed up you have to really uh, pay attention to the fact that it is being backed up um, at different data center locations. Normally that's how they give you the availability that they're giving you. Um, and so let's say that you decide to pull that data down, you, you end your contract. Um, you, you have to go into that knowing that you can get all of your data back. Um, so it's not really your, your, your production data that you're putting up there, but it could be all of your backups. And where are those backups actually going? And do you even know, or, and, and really does your provider even know? So Adilson, from, from your view, what should states be thinking about when it comes to security in a cloud environment, especially given what we just heard from, from Doug and then Ed? Certainly from our perspective, you know, what Splunk does very effectively is try and glean from machine data insights into whether it's an operational context or a cybersecurity context. So we tend to be very prevalent in the cybersecurity space as a result of that because we can track through and, and glean things like forensic footprints and how, you know, what's going on in a particular point in time from a temporal aspect. And that tends to lend itself very, very well into trying to understand what a cloud security posture or a hybrid security posture, and by hybrid, I mean where an environment or a, a portfolio has both on-premise as well as, as cloud aspects. And Doug pointed this out. There are, there are services at various levels and there are security requirements at various levels and profiles. So understanding what you have and how that translates to everything from categorizing various security levels, sensitivity of data, PII classifications, and then ultimately what those responsibilities are in relation to that. So what I, I think a lot of the, the cloud service providers have been focused on more recently at an infrastructure uh, uh, as a service level is how do you deliver enclaves that are applicable to those levels of security, whether they're uh, high, moderate, or low, as in what the federal information processing standards designate in FIPS 199, or whether it's a defense level, information assurance level of security, there are really, really well-bounded, well-defined security levels. And I think states could leverage some of that and then back in those PII or data sensitivity requirements into that. And we tend to see that accelerating quite a bit. However, what states should not lose sight of, and, and really any environment, is do you continue to have visibility? And Ed raises this point. 
in terms of data ownership, data repatriation, right? As stewards of that data, especially, uh, most especially as a, a state entity having responsibility for constituent data, how responsible is any cloud service entity in terms of the stewardship of that data, maintaining uh, access to the data, and then also providing the, the ability to repatriate the data and also guaranteeing that the data is then eliminated from any devices, drives, etc. within the cloud context. Most cloud service providers at the infrastructure level are well aware of those requirements and, and the, certainly the larger ones can meet those. The SaaS vendors, I think, is where states need to ensure that they've done really good due diligence to make sure that those vendors understand those requirements too, most especially when it comes to the sensitive and PII data. So Ed, I want to go to you with this last question here. States are thinking about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and and more. How can cloud help or hurt that approach to things like emerging tech like that? I I certainly think that that is probably the sweet spot for the cloud. There's a lot of uh, work being done in that area, um, and a cloud provider could get you um, kick-started in that direction much much quicker than having something like that on-prem. Um, so I think yeah, I think there's a place for that. Um, I'm still really you know looking for that use case that we can uh, grab hold of here in Nebraska where it could help us. Um, and really, uh, we're, we're waiting for that. I mean, I really haven't seen. I, I'm I'm reading a lot about it. Uh, I don't want to use the word hype, but I'm reading a lot about it. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of it. Uh, so I'm still looking for a good use case. So Doug, same to you. H- how are you looking at cloud to help you embrace emerging tech? Well, we're definitely seeing the cloud as an opportunity to leverage AI and machine learning and data analytics that are built into things like you know, our OpenGov or Socrata platforms or in security when we're looking at logs, you know, the machine learning is really able to go in and look at the logs and find the most important things for us to look at. So we like the SaaS applications because cloud native applications tend to have AI or machine learning built in and data analytics as well. And we know that those capabilities will uh, be automatically leveraged into their platform and will improve over time. So we like having those features and um, we try to go in a direction that always makes them available to us. And finally, Adilson, with more states thinking about data analytics and things like machine learning and AI, how can cloud really help ease that approach to big data? Well, first of all, I wanted to thank Doug for bringing up log analytics. That's, that's actually the genesis of, of how Splunk became uh, a leader in, in that space was really trying to understand this problem around how to manage and analyze the log data that, that customers end up with. Uh, so this is where I, I think it's really, really helpful and important to consider cloud, not just as a an endpoint in terms of a destination for a, a function or an application, but rather an enabler to a lot of these emerging technologies and capabilities. So from, from our perspective, as an example, the log data and log analytics can be really difficult because it truly is the manifestation of the big data problem. Volumes are intense, formats and the variety and variability of the data is constantly changing, and so is the volume, right? You're bombarded with this. So uh, to Doug's point, you know, if you're trying to, to make sense of all this data, you need something and a platform and an ability and a place to put the data, 
be able to correlate the data, analyze the data, and then act on that data. So that visibility and intelligence and operational view of what's in that data is immensely important. It's not just a storage location. So what do we do with that from the industry perspective? And uh, something that Splunk has spent a lot of time in terms of designing and engineering to apply machine learning concepts across the spectrum. There's machine learning on one end of the spectrum, artificial intelligence along further along that spectrum. When I think of what we're trying to do in applying machine learning, so whether it's Ed's team or Doug's team, they're not trying to learn machine learning algorithms to get to step one, we're taking those algorithms that are applicable. So in a cybersecurity space, it might be reducing the noise and trying to filter through to events that are significant. So you reduce the false positives and make your security analysts more efficient and agile. From an IT operations perspective, for example, I might be able to take a customer's environment on-prem and model or capacity plan that environment for a transition to the cloud. Well, I can do that by applying certain algorithms in terms of capacity over time and analyzing how those systems have been used for the last month or three months or six months, and then projecting that forward into a capacity plan for the cloud. And similarly, we're starting to apply a lot of machine learning capabilities and algorithms to preempt and predict whether there are failures or capacity requirements or elasticity requirements. That becomes really important in the cloud environment. And it's important because when you're on-prem, you're not necessarily paying extra to use additional cycles if you have additional compute capacity. Once you transition to the cloud, you actually are paying that cloud service provider for additional compute or storage or application capacity. So it becomes even more important to understand and be able to preempt what that looks like because it's directly associated to the budget requirement in order for that agency to provide the service, whether it's an internal service or a constituent facing service. Well, thank you all so much. That's all the time we have today to talk about cloud services. But thank you so much, uh, Adilson, Ed, and Doug for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. And that is the end of this episode of Priorities. Tune in next time as we continue to dive into the top priorities of state CIOs. Thanks again to the folks at Splunk for sponsoring today's episode. I'm Jake Williams, State Scoop's associate publisher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.